0: FastLine Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit FastLine.com for more information. That's FastLine.com.
1: Stories behind the ag brands we love and the ag brands we love to hate. What color is your
0: tractor? With Chrissy Wozniak. I'm Chrissy Wozniak, and welcome to What Color Is Your Tractor? My guest is the senior brand manager of a very well-known ag brand. He plays a critical role in the development of the go-to-market strategy across North America. He grew up farming in Northeast Nebraska and started his career with Agco in 2006 as a Challenger Big Equipment Specialist. From there, he held many positions within Agco, including marketing for Challenger HHP tractors, product management for Massey Ferguson tractors, product management for Valtre tractors and global marketing lead for ideal combine launches in Europe, South, and North America. Today, we're going to learn about the past and present uh, and a bit about the future of this great company and explore the exciting future of this particular brand. From Dawsonville, Georgia, I'd like to welcome Brandon Montgomery of the great company Fent. Welcome, Brandon, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Wow! Thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show here today. So thank you for the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So let's start out. Tell me a bit about your background and history with Agco, and uh, and with the front vent brand.
1: So thank thank you for the bio there too. That was kind of summed up a lot of it. Um, I. Did come from Northeast Nebraska, my family, we, we grew uh, corn and soybeans, had a small cow-calf operation and really went into agriculture and university um, role and in, into South Dakota State University and really started with Agco, really first job out of the company, you know, out of out of a college and been with Agco ever since. So you know, really that, that journey with inside a a company, it's always nerve wracking trying to find a job outside of, you know, college and where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Trying to answer all those questions to it's a company I've been with since 2006 and have loved every minute of it. Um, I've had the pleasure of working many different roles inside Agco as a whole. And that started, like you mentioned with the challenger side of, you know, high horsepower equipment with the Challenger um, track tractors, wheel tractors and combines. And then that journey took me through many areas inside of Agco within marketing, uh, product marketing into um, tractor development within product management. And that led over to overseas roles um, within inside Agco, actually working for Vulture out of Finland and then, moved to Braganza, Italy, where our ideal combines are produced, and then finally came back and landed here in, in North America again in 2020. And and now the the proud um, you know role and sponsor of FENT in North America is the brand lead. So it's been quite a journey here Chrissy with Inside Echo. I, I would never have guessed that many opportunities existed but um, extremely proud to represent FENT for North America as as part of a a huge growing brand inside of the global um, theme of, of farming equipment.
0: Yeah, and that's really remarkable. Your career path is really extraordinary. And I always like to point that out because a lot of youth getting into agriculture, they don't realize the paths that you can go on when you When you decide on a career in agriculture and look at all the travel, all the places, all the experiences that this has taken you over the last 17 years, it's really amazing.
1: I grew up really, um, there was an Ash Falls fossil bed in Northeast Nebraska, and there was a 1420 drive-in where two highways met, and uh, there was a big burger restaurant there I never thought I'd make it further than that. (laughs) So to go, actually live, uh, you know, multiple areas of the U.S. and travel overseas and live overseas has been nothing but a dream. So it's my wife and I talk about all the time. It's how did that happen? You know, what, what led us there? How did we make that work? And it's been a true adventure. And every bit of the way you learn something new that's really, you know, completing the pieces of the puzzle that I'm just thankful to see, look in the river mirror and go, wow, that was, that's been so much fun. So super thankful for Agco to give us those opportunities and really accelerate. So anybody coming in, you know, from the youth, um, thinking about jobs, you know, there there's, these companies are are there to help you. Um, and they want to see you grow. You just got to be willing, willing to try.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And so you were raised in farming then?
1: Yep, my mom and my dad, we we grew um, corn and soybeans. My grandparents farmed as well as their grandparents did too. Um, my wife and her family, they can trace it back to the early 1800s in South Dakota. So we, we kind of, we met in college in South Dakota and her family still farms there as well in a little town called Eureka, South Dakota. And so we, you know, what we thought is, uh, growing up farming wasn't such a big deal but it's a, it's such a big deal of our daily lives so um, we talk about it all the time maybe more than what um, my wife would like to you know listen to all the time because i talk about so much equipment all the time but it's what you love it's what you do right so uh, it's definitely part of our dna and our in our our blood
0: oh that's awesome yeah. and and so why did you choose to continue to serve the industry like when you decided to go to school what what was it?
1: That's a great question. I I went into agriculture. my My background there at South Dakota State was ag systems technology. I knew I wanted to serve in agriculture, but wasn't sure. So I, it was a great way to lead into many different areas because it touched on the mechanical side of equipment, hydraulics, electronics, um, but also you know, at that time frame in 2000, early 2000s was really getting in the technology side with auto steer. Right. So we really had the opportunity to see something that was up and coming with with that level of technology. But we also touched on sustainability: um, how to make farms, you know, really run to the next generation and with the least amount of input costs, but really do a, a better job for our our planet and. Um, our soil types so you touched on so many areas I didn't think that all of that would come into place where we're at right now and, and when you look at a career now um, so that that South Dakota State University they gave me an opportunity really to explore the bigger picture and then you know of course you're trying to find a job out um, of college to pay the bills so um, the, the role with AGCO came up and. I found pretty quickly that um, with the service-minded attitude, the the customers inside agriculture are so awesome. Like everybody inside this business, just if you help them, they they are friends for life. And you know, they will bend over backwards to help support you. And it I learned that pretty quickly early on in my career is if you just go the extra mile and you really are service-minded like there's nothing going to stop you, um, in terms of, of growing your business. And that's what really draw me to it. And what, what's kept me inside of agriculture, the, the conservative nature of our farmers, they care about, you know, their communities, they serve their communities at such a high level on, you know, who they're, they're hiring. Um, they're down to earth. They, they just, Make what we do enjoyable, and I don't think you find that anywhere else in, in a lot of industries out there. So it was just naturally. I just I feel connected to it, and um, it's just a a really great place to be inside the SAG business.
0: Yeah that that was so eloquent. I love that <laughs> that that's like that'll be a cut. For sure, that we promote this episode with because that just is beautiful the way that you said that, and it's and it's so true. It really rounds out what uh, what so many people in the industry are and and how we feel about it, right?
1: They they are they really are awesome.
0: Yeah, and so let's talk about the early years of Fent. Now, uh, in 1930, the Fent Company was founded by Xavier Fent in Mark Mark. Toberdorf, Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, So, can you tell me about those early days?
1: So, something you may not actually know um, about Fent and kind of where it started. I've got this this history book in front of me uh, here to kind of point out a few things. But the family actually started; it can be traced back to the 15th century. You know, right in Bavaria. That's if you're frameworking. You've never been over to Germany before that is the place where they still wear later hosens today, right? It's a big festival with Oktoberfest. You think of the big Steins beer, you know, that's, that's right where this Fent brand really started and, and started to live. Um, something a lot of our audience members may not know is that Sylvester Fent was a master metal worker and, and tower clockmaker. So he moved to the village in 1635 and it was later named Mark Torberdorf. Um, later after that, but they actually started off building um, clocks for for churches and windows. They were master craftsmen at metalwork. They did a lot of work in the 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 churches themselves, ornate, beautiful. I mean, you're talking iron steel jobs you just don't see anymore, right? That those, those were the family that were master craftsmen. That's what they did but they recognized you know as as secularism was starting to take place they knew fewer churches were starting to be built so they were having to kind of switch gears themselves and you talk about farmers having to make a shift you know to stay you know in the game and pass it down to the next family well they realized they had to make a shift and that's where they really started to get in into the agriculture itself and they they really branched off into more mechanical side, um, which eventually led to the first Fendt diesel Ross tractors, you know, 1926. They started really with mass production in 1930. So that's a little bit of a background, you know, in the Fendt world itself. And that's, you know, today, today that that is still the home of Fendt, Machteberdorf. So what it was, and those early 1900s, you know, tracing back to early 1600s, what seems for us as American, you know, a really long time ago, is they can trace that lineage so far back. And I think that's something that's really unique about Fent is having that DNA as, as part of the start of who they are. And it's still in that DNA. You live and breathe it as you travel there. Um it's such a special place, you know, inside of this big world that we live in, but you really make it localized when you have kind of that background and they're still in some of the same buildings that they were back in, you know, 1926 as they are today. So that's a little bit about the early, you know, journey of Fent as it got started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the Fent Diesel Ross. It's often mentioned as, a significant innovation of its time. So can you explain how this tractor impacted the ag machinery industry at that time?
1: So the Diesel Ross machine it it really started off um you know the the word Diesel Ross itself let's take that as part of the understanding that's the logo right um it was really farmers going from you know horse drawn um implements plows and some tillage to diesel ross being actually uh, a, you know something that runs on diesel as a horsepower right so it's transitioned from a big innovation in itself going from horse to a mechanical device to do the same type of job um, that in itself is a major innovation in the world right so you know they they were not the only tractor manufacturer, but they were one of the first, for sure, inside of all of Europe to really invent the tractor and start from that journey. What was kind of interesting with them, they they had um, from the very beginning applications in mind. So they started off not just with a traditional tractor, but they had more of like the applications you would be doing typically with the horse, you know, pulling carts, pulling wagons. Um, when you know moving items around on the farm it, itself how do you get from point a to point b and and pulling plows so that what the traditional how they pioneered into the diesel ross looked a little bit different you know they had steel wheels they had um, implements in front and back underneath so they were trying to figure out where, where do we actually land is this something that that's can, we can commercialize so there were some early mock-ups that led into that 1930 with really starting into the Diesel Ross tractor. Um, and it took off ever since from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and something that's so fascinating is, you know, we've got thousands of years of documented history, and all of this has happened in a hundred years.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like it's just mind-blowing to think how you know, somebody in their 80s looking back just must shake their head trying to understand how this all happened, right? It's almost a lifetime, one lifetime, right? We'll we'll
1: talk about that too, because I know it'll come up later too, um, but I think we're kind of on a similar revolution. You know, you think about going from a horse to a tractor and the colors, right? Um, we're, we're in that same journey now, a hundred years later of looking at what that next journey is. And that, I know we'll talk about that later, but we're we're kind of at that cusp where things are gonna look a lot differently in the future, too.
0: Yeah, that's it's hard to even imagine something that you can't imagine. Like the quote from Henry Ford that if he'd asked the customers what they wanted, they just would have wanted a faster horse. That's <laughs> right? right. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even know what to ask for. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. And so the the four-wheel drive tractors became a hallmark of Fent with the introduction of the favorite, how did this innovation change the landscape of tractor technology at the time?
1: The Actually the first four-wheel drive tractor was the Fent 25A. It was actually oh. sold in 1950 to 52. Um, so that was even before the Fent favorite wow. model was actually produced. It was a 15 horsepower, you know, single cylinder engine, and that was really something that was ahead of its time because not many tractor manufacturers, have, if ever, had anything before then to really bring the power to the ground, give them the extra capacity out of a small um, horsepower engine. They, they could do even more with it. So that was a revolution before it even came to defend favorite model. Um, just going through a couple of my notes here that faint. The Fent favorite model was actually produced in the 60s. So we're talking about 15 years ahead of that even.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not even know that. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And then if we fast forward the 90s to 1997, fence acquisition by Agco Corporation marked a significant milestone. So how did the partnership uh, influence fence growth and product development?
1: That was a, it's an interesting time period because, you know, you look at Agco's acquisition of, of Fent, right? So that was really the late nineties, 97 Agco acquired Fent brand. Um, Just two years ahead of that though, was, was the first CVT transmission. That was the Vario transmission. That's what really put Fent on the map. Um, So I do want to, talk a little bit about that first before we go into that yeah. journey, how it came into North America. Um, but that transmission took really, you know, 10 years to develop. So they were in the workings of what that transmission had to look like. And they, this, if you could sum up fence really in a couple words, um, it's really that mentality of never giving up. And they knew, they just knew the inventors of that transmission knew they there was a better way to transfer power. They had worked on, um, you know, different gearboxes, mechanical gearboxes, which you would say is like a, a crash gearbox. Like you you got to basically clutch stop, mesh the gears in, and then let the clutch off and go to um, sliding clutches, um, constant mesh gears where they can shift on the go to you know liquid clutches that that could actually shift under load under torque. And they knew that there was a better way to do that job. Um, Everybody since then has tried to imitate what Fent has done with that CBT. And if you think about the way the mechanics work, combining hydrostatic power with mechanical power of a hydraulic pump and motor, controlling a, a ring gear around a planetary set, it seems so simple it's like well why didn't anybody else do that i mean it is so brilliant you've got infinite speeds and you can control your speed and you know independent of your your transmission to match any speed for the job and that that was so far ahead of its time right so you've got this innovation coming in where the company itself has put in a lot of you know money and investment into it and shortly behind that You got this American company buying, you know, Fent. So that was a big, big talk in Germany, especially Robert Ratliff that formed Agco. You know, he was, um, I call myself kind of a a Gen 2er Agco, maybe moving into a little bit of a Gen 3 where I've seen Robert Ratliff walk around inside the Duluth office. You know, he lived here he ate a Taco Mac, you know, with a lot of the charter members that started Co. We'd see him down at Taco Mac, and very friendly, you know, talkative. But he built this company, um, you know, around that late nineteen ninety six and ninety seven. Of how are we going to tackle this building a full line? And they knew what was so cool. They when they saw that CBT, they knew that it was something they just could they knew it was going to take off and i think it's extraordinary to find people that have that vision that know it that is something's going to revolutionize the industry to be able to take that and and actually acquire a brand like fent that's ahead of its time um i think it's just marvelous you know they that's very rare to have that vision and foresight and i think robert ratliff did that um, so sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but I, I forgot oh, the original part of the question. I get lost in that because I just I get admire people that have that vision to find that out. And then how did they actually buy it and acquire it, you know, the talk? Yeah,
0: the yeah that's it. So how did that develop from there? So where did it go from from him to Agco?
1: It, it took some time, right? So, you know, here we are in, in 2023 and, you know, that was over 20 years ago. Um, we, we started with the Fent brand coming into North America, you know, shortly after that, right? So we, we knew like, okay, this is something nobody else has. How do we get into North America farmer's hands too? And in Europe, it was really starting to take off. It was ramping up. The brand was very well known. is very popular, very mature in the industry. But for North America, it was it was a, a starter. You know, it was a no-name brand, right? Nobody knew who it was really, unless you had some German heritage that and i'm going to tell you a story about my first interaction with that too um when i started with agco 2006 i was at one of the first jobs i had was was um setting up for this national training event down in phoenix arizona and this is the first time i ever even driven a tractor it was the challenger tractor that we had there it had cbt transmission in it and the guys were telling me like, well, that's a Fent CVT transmission. You know how to drive it. I said, sure. I know how to drive tractors. I've been driving tractors forever, you know, so I can drive this. Well, I couldn't even make it go. <laughs> so oh wow! the guy said, you yeah, just shuttle into reverse and push that little pedal like you would drive a car. And I did that and backed up to the sunflower tillage equipment that we had that we're trying to set up. And he goes, yep, if you want to stop, just hit the brakes. And, and I did that. And I, and it was like an instant feeling of this is unbelievable. How do people not know this? How do people, you know, it's something its a transfer of feelings that you can't just get by talking about it, right? You wow. have to get in the seat and, and drive it. And I thought, and I, I spent the rest of the afternoon just driving that tracker, getting familiar with it. And I was telling everybody I knew about this. I'm like, have you tried this? Can you believe that this does? And, you know, not as many people are as excited about as I was, I guess, but you know, when you try something so different and so unique, it just changes everything about, you know, what you think about farming and agriculture. And I think that's what Fent has done now it's taken 25 years to, to, you know, really grow that, history inside north america but really over the last four years five years that's where it's accelerated so it's it's accelerated even more as the tractor range is growing from like a, a full line you know we look at 94 horsepower up to 670 horsepower that, that's a massive line i think there's actually 42 tractor models that we've got to adding on the momentum planter we've got the Fent Ideal Combine, we've got the Fent Rogator, and you talk about a whole package of offering. Now, now farmers are looking at us as a whole systems um, approach and not just a, a short line of, say, tractors, for example. That's, that's where we're going. So, it's taken a long time to get there, right? People don't change their minds overnight, you know, even the broadcast of your show, what color your tractor is, you know, a lot of people talk about the colors of their tractor and it's deeply rooted in their DNA. Right. So, um, it's taken a lot, a long time, but we're now on that cusp of, of really making huge growth as we have over the last, you know, four or five years.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the, the emphasis on technology and innovation is, is really evident throughout the whole history. And especially in the last 20 years, Can you discuss some of these key technological milestones that have helped them stay at the forefront of the industry and not get lost in, um, in all of the new developments, new technology of the main colors?
1: So that, that DNA of never giving up, you know, really going into that CVT transmission just sets the tone for all of the other innovations to come. And I think that's, What makes you, you know, fence so unique is that that's transferred into not just Moktoberdorf, but it's transitioned into the other, you know, sites that we, where we manufacture the planters, the combine and uh, the sprayers. So some of those innovations, you know, we, we have, um, for example, we produced over 350,000 of the CVT transmissions, for example, Mm -hmm. um, we were one of the first to, Develop cab suspension. I think Fent tractors are so well known for its comfort features, um, cab ride ride quality. So we've got over 38 years of experiencing cab suspension, as well as front axle suspension. One of the first on the market with front axle suspension. Um, you look back at the transition from you know analog to digital. On electronics, they were also one of the first to really come to market with CAN bus control technology, how that engine transmission electronics all talk to each other. Uh, One of the other ones of innovations was pressure flow compensated hydraulics, you know, not not too many, you know, knew what that was and the ability to have hydraulics on demand versus an open center system, um, that that's a big movement as well. Fent was inside of there too. Um, another one is the first tractor virtual terminal, so it controls all the tractor functions and the implements. So if you think about Isobus, you know Fent is one of the first ones to offer Isobus control. Um, many of the farmers listening to this will think about, you know, hydraulic couplers and tips and how many times they've changed you know different manufacturers on on hydraulics for example the same thing happened with terminals and monitors too right so yeah. we have the you know one of the first abilities as as fen to offer that up where any implement was isobus could show up on your terminal and display um, without needing the, the original monitor to control that pretty quickly you could have four five six monitors inside your cab so One of the first ones on the market with that. Um, Exhaust braking, trailer braking, hydraulic braking, that's, you know, was driven mainly by regulations. But I think what Fent did is they innovated around those regulations to bring new technology to market. So, um, especially in Europe, they use a lot of air ride brakes for their implements to make sure that they're safe. There's high population. You know, which are dense around villages and cities, so they definitely had to be very safe with their equipment because they use those tractors as their semi truck. So there's not many, you know, Ford F250s, Super Duty diesels running on the highways, pulling trailers. It, it's a Fent 200, a Fent 300, a Fent 500 pulling the trailers. So they have to be safe in terms of what they're they're doing. What that led to was an example of Vario Grip that's something nobody else has. So that's an integrated, um, you know, tire pressure system inside the tires that inflates and deflates. So on the go. Now, if you have the compressors for your air brakes, well, you use the same compressors for your tire system. Wow. So in the field, you can let the tire pressure down, get a better grip, have lower soil compaction. But on the road, you can pump them up, um, have less rolling resistance, and get better fuel efficiency. So those are like all the little golden nuggets that that really help um, leveraging something that was a regulation to really make it an advantage for the farmer. And then there's there's so many other, you know, you, you think outside of just the tractor with some of the industry first on the combine, for example, with ideal drive, you know, there's no steering wheel inside of it, the auto dock um, capability where you can disconnect and connect to the header without getting outside of the cab to do it. You know, it's all from the cab
0: Yeah.
1: load logic system on the momentum planter where it transfers the weights to the, each of the independent um, sections of the frame liquid logic, making the recirculation of the booms um, better and, and easier clean out of the booms. So anyway, that, that, that's just part of the DNA that the list goes on and on and on, but you know, that's where, that innovation and really, you know, leaders pushing Fent, driving Fent, I think comes to play as you see that as our portfolio starts to grow. There's always it's not just a me too product. It's it's a product really driven around farmers needs and innovating around that as it
0: goes. Yeah, that's it. From You know, it's clear from what you're saying that Fent is farmer first, especially talking about Isobus. That's a huge, a huge benefit or um, a huge leap forward in making things easier for repairs for everything. And in everything that you just listed there, it was farmer first.
1: It's part of our motto as well, even from our directive of our, our CEO, Eric and today, it's, it's farmer first. If you were to come here to Duluth and walk in the atrium, you see farmer first everywhere. And it's really driving that mentality into all of our employees of listening to the farmers, what do they need? What, you know, and you, you said earlier too, like with Henry Ford, if um, you know, I would have made a, a faster horse, but when you listen to them and you you have listened to their farmers and our growers and understand the challenges that they have, that's where it allows you to really invent and think differently outside the box. I think that's what Fent has done such a phenomenal job at doing better than anybody else. It's, staying connected many of our employees farm themselves um you think about where Mocktoberdorf is it's it's all ag production around there many of them farm on the sides They use the products themselves and they're they're constantly thinking and trying to make it better so it, it, it is farmer first and i think that's what sets us apart differently from many other manufacturers out there today
0: yeah that's that's very that's awesome and the the global presence and the market reach they've they've really expanded obviously from germany around the whole world and how that can't be easy how did the company navigate the challenges and opportunities of operating in such diverse agricultural markets
1: so when you talk about you know there's a difference from going to an international company to a global company. So an international company is somebody that sells the product just over a different country or a different continent, right? But it's one for one. But if you're really going to globalize your brand, you have to meet the demands of that region or area that you're really trying, you know, to grow into, right? So let's take for example the the 1000 series tractor. I think this is one of the biggest revolutions that happened inside agriculture, the Fenton 1000 series, a 500 horsepower fixed frame tractor. Well, in Europe, that is, you know, it's it's popular. There, were, There's not many articulated tractors on the market there, mainly due to road width restrictions. You, you can't have a big, massive, dualed up, tripled up, articulated four-wheel drive down the highway, you'd stop traffic behind everybody and you would have a, everybody honking and blinking their lights at you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you have to think differently. How do we get that horsepower into a fixed frame design that can go up and down the highway? Well, that that changed the ball game here, um, Chrissy, for, for North America and South America. And they knew that. They knew that to grow, they had to really go after the markets that had large ag that we're going to be expanding and growing the most. And that Fent 1000 series is, is I think one of the best examples of that. That transmission um, is massive on what it can deliver in terms of power to the ground. And you, you combine that with the front axle technology um, that they have combined with the low engine rev technology of you know nobody else runs at 1,350 RPM right that's where our peak torque is most peak torque on engines gonna run about 1800 1850 sometimes drop down to 1700 but nobody's ever doing it at 1350 rpm burning you know 9 to 10 gallons an hour that's just an example of how this machine has revolutionized that and we're expanding from what was a tractor line to a full line well if you think about you know full line row crop farmers It is the pair. It's the tractor, the planter, the combine, the sprayer, and the tillage equipment around that, right? So that's where Fent has really expanded and really taking Fent to the next level. It's not just, hey, this is what we traditionally do here and try to sell that product into the other market. It's, no, let's really understand the market. What are their needs? And we're going to develop products for that market that's really going to help that farmer out. And we see that in all parts of our Fent full-line that we have today that we didn't have, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just looking back, you can see that the, the mindset, those points all really added to the success. It's really, really remarkable. And then looking ahead, what are some of the anticipated directions and innovations that Fent might pursue um, in continuing to serve the, the needs of the modern farmer?
1: You may have seen it. Um, we had we had some news publications out. We were on a live working farm, uh, middle of June into Kentucky, and this is where, excuse me, it was late June, first week of July, where we we brought. Um, some of our media, our dealers, and our board members to the field in Kentucky. And we said, you know what? We're not going to just talk about some of these future things. We're going to actually show you. And this is what led, you know, I talked about earlier, um, the revolution of going from horse-drawn implements to a tractor. That was such a huge deal. Yeah. hundred years later, where we are today, we're showing the path forward towards, you know, our equipment as a standalone item is fantastic. Yes. Um, But we really showed the systems approach solution. I'll touch on that a little bit later to going from automating what an operator would normally do with their tasks um, that, that we can, you know, mimic, we can do, we can make easier and comfortable for the operator to, now pulling that operator out of the cab. So we were showing some of the autonomous pieces of equipment there on the farm and that, you know, we're not there commercially, you know, ready, um, today, but it gave, I think so many people there, the chance to see it. You've, you've been hearing it everywhere. You've been seeing it snippets here and there. Um, but it's rare to find it running in the application and, When you see a combine harvesting with an operator in it, and it pushes a button to call a tractor that nobody is in it with a grain cart, pull up next to the combine and unload on the go. That is is something that just gives you chills up your spine. You go, wow. Okay, now I see the benefit of it because autonomy in itself is not, you know, it's challenging. There are technological challenges. But you think about you know even growing up the farm. If if you a lot of farm family farms are you know husband and wife farming or um, husband and son or husband and daughter um, farming where just labor is always an issue right so if if a lot of times I think you know one farmer told me he said if if I had this technology in my farm I'd still be farming today and whereas now they've exited out of the farm because okay well dad was running the combine the son was running the the semi-trailer so dad would harvest with the combine fill up drive to the the semi-trailer or the gravity wagon unload son would be then taking it either to the elevator or to the you know the the storage bins well if you think about how much time you lose in an operation, especially when you're trying to get all that crop out, it just extends your harvest season. And therefore you can't do the other things that you need to do like tillage, like, you know, you know, filling your contracts. And that one piece would have revolutionized their farm for sure by keeping the combine up and running up and down the field today. Well, there's, there's huge operations that, you know, they're running six, seven combines, running, you know, seven, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 semi trucks. You cannot stop. You you have to keep going all the time. And that's what we brought to life, just a sliver of what autonomy can bring to the full picture. And we're in that mode right now of making this a big leap again in the future. And it's so exciting because I think nobody else like Fent can really lead that way i think we've got some of the best dna inside of our company agco supporting every bit of that um and some of the acquisitions that we've made recently you know we're in such a good spot to really provide for our farmers something sustainable and i'll I'll finish here on this point with sustainability we, we talk a lot about you know carbon neutral footprint we talk about you know what we can do for better soil, but a lot of times sustainability for our farmers and thinking about farmer first is, you know, how are they going to handle that, hand that off to the next generation? And I think that's what makes it sustainable. With the technology that we're doing, is we're we're actually helping these farmers um, think about generational plans to keep it in the family and and, and you know move on the next generation. So the, the the future could not be any more exciting than it is right now.
0: Yeah, great points, and and continuing on with sustainability with with fewer farms feeding more people, the farming has to be so efficient. So you've you've outlined some of these places, um, but more specifically, what is Fent doing to tackle those particular issues going forward?
1: There's there's a host of items for sure. Uh, you know, you talk about carbon neutral footprint. You you talk about many corporate initiatives, but I'll keep what I'm going to talk about mainly farmer focused, right? So some of the things on um, that we're doing are around engine technology. So if we think about what we showed, um, you know, even in Kentucky there about a little over a month ago was electrification. So we we had a fence E100 there. It's right at almost 100 horsepower, fully electric tractor. It had all the working mechanics of what a normal tractor would do in terms of the transmission, front axle, front PTO, rear PTO, you know, climate control inside the cab, but just instead of an engine ahead a battery box, but rather than forcing our customers into one path in one direction, we said, okay, well, what else can we do that gives them a lot of flexibility? So we're still continuing on the path of different alternative sources as well. Like, like biogas, for example. So, if you're um, running compressed natural gas from a biomethane digester that you you may have on the farm, for example, um, running alternative fuels, um, synthetic fuels, biofuels, um, even into hydrogen. Um, fuel cells as well. Those are some around the other technologies that we're investing in and, and trying to give our farmers multiple options rather than just trying to force them into one area specifically. That generates flexibility. And as a global company, you you have to be. You can't just um, say we're going to do this because the market in that country may not even be ready for it. For example, so we're driving flexibility when it comes to power sources and in terms of sustainability. And then on top of that, you know, we're always looking at ways to make our, our vehicles more efficient. So that way our farmers can realize the return on, on the investment faster. Um, You know, that low engine rev technology, that's a big deal. You know, if you're saving 10 gallons an hour, versus a competitor, that, that's a big gap, you know, the fuels, yes. fuel prices continue to climb up, um, makes a big, big difference. So we're always looking for ways to make even what we have today, even more efficient in the traditional sense.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And, yeah. and some more uh, present day challenges. How have you addressed the supply chain breakdowns over the last two, three years now? And, um, and what have you learned from those?
1: I think everybody's faced that. Nobody was, you know, not feeling that pressure. Uh, Supply chain challenges were a big deal. You know, the, we're in a global economy now, it's not just about one region versus another region. Um, Everybody's susceptible to that. The, the war in Ukraine, for example, halted a lot of things where maybe some of your, um, supply sources could be coming from eastern part of, of Europe or even into Asia, for example. So that that hurt many OEMs, um, not just agriculture, but uh, car manufacturers. Everybody felt that pressure. I think one thing that really separated us, maybe from our competitors, and I'm going to go off a, a couple stories that I've I've heard. In the marketplace, what made us different? We we did something different. We said, you know what, even though even though we as as Fent and we as AgCo have supply chain challenges, we're still gonna support our customers that bought our equipment first. So what we said is, you know what, if you're a customer of ours and you have a breakdown and it's the same piece that you could get maybe out of the factory, rather than trying to build that machine out of the factory and delivering it, we said, you know what, let's support that customer first. So we did end up pulling some parts out of um, the factory, for example, to support those critical need times when labor is highly intensive and you have to plant, you have to harvest, um, for example, to to make sure that that customer is satisfied and going. And and I've heard stories um, where that hasn't been the case with some of our competitors. They've were, more focused on delivering a new machine, but the customer that's out there in the fields waiting on that part for two, three, four weeks, so um, that doesn't help them out any to get the job done. And I think that's something that really separates us just from a fundamental mindset of customer first, farmer first, of doing something different that generates a lot of value. And I think that'll come. Um, you know, maybe you don't know that today, but you know, our our listeners to this should really take that to heart that we are a farmer first. And that's just an example to prove that out.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's a that. great example for sure. Yeah, You would think, you know, um, you would imagine a, a major corporation would be, let's get another one off the line, not let's pull the pieces and keep a farmer running. That's, that's amazing. I've, I haven't heard that anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And then let's shift over to the branding portion Why do you think tractor color has meant so much to so many generations of farmers?
1: Tractor color is, is something interesting. We talked about this at the very beginning, right? So, you know, even the ag industry talks about, you know, what color is in your shed, for example, everybody relates to the the famous colors that are out there. Um, I think it's, it's deeply rooted in heritage and DNA. You know, I look at my own father-in-law and his father before him, they, they owned and run a specific color, um, for many generations. It's what they knew. It's what they trusted on. It's what, um, I think got them through some tough times. You agriculture, you know, you, you live and breathe, the soil, the dirt, the community, the surrounding, you know, around around that, right? So the difference between, say, an automobile dealer versus an ag dealer, an automobile dealer can sell a, a, you know, a car, a truck and shut down at five o'clock on Friday afternoon. The, The ag dealer, if that farmer is not getting the performance they need or they're down, the dealer is going to be one of the first ones they call and you talk about the stresses of agriculture in general, when, when you've got, you know, interest rates on the climb and, and even talking, you know, 20, 30 years ago when interest rates were super high, people couldn't afford to make their payments. um, Land prices were super high. Their net farm income was super low. They were stressed. They were trying to, you know, just wake up and do the job that they could to feed the world, um, you become more than just a dealer. You become somebody that is, is like a, I don't know, I, I call it a family member in a way. And I think that's, what's really made it different. It's there's, it's hard to put it into words, but you depend on somebody because you have to depend on them. And I think that's transferred into the color of the equipment that they run because when they, they tell stories at the coffee shop and they're like, you know what, this happened to me and it doesn't matter what color machine it breaks down, but the dealer did this and it took care of me. And that way the company took care of me that way they become loyal and they know that they're going to be there tomorrow. And they know that that's going to help serve them in the years to come and make sure that they can be sustainable and pass it down to the next generation. Nobody's ever really said it in words, you know, maybe to that, Level, I maybe jump into some conclusions there, but I feel that that's that's why it's so important. It's it's more than just a business transaction. It is something so deeply rooted into the fact of, of people caring, wanting them to succeed, and when that happens, they they you know really become loyal to that that brand and just know that they care because it's not that many people that are farming it's really. Feed in our world. So it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that that is very well said. And I couldn't agree more. And why do you know why most of the brands chose one color? But Fenton has two. Is there is there a story behind that or a reason? Do you know why?
1: Are you talking with the, the wheels yeah, and yeah. the okay? So there's some conjecture there um on what we, we think. Now, if you've ever flown into Moktoberdorf and I learned this from a colleague of mine so you got the nature green color on the hood the fenders and then you've got um, the terra red wheels Um, when you fly into Moktoberdorf or Munich for example and you drive into Moktoberdorf it's so green it's so bright green just the fields themselves you know with with that Bavarian style you know it's a lot of hay it's a lot of livestock so you see this green so I think a lot of it comes just from unknowingly like okay this is just part of who we are and then a lot of the homes actually have this terracotta red red color on top of the roof so I think part of it is that way I don't know if that's true or not but I think that that's part of the the inner workings of their stories that this this nature green it's part of who we are it's where we're from but then you get this mix of the red as such a nice contrast and that That's what is deeply rooted into, into Fent, for example. Um, But I don't know that for a hundred percent fact. It's not really.
0: Yeah. That makes, that does make (laughs) sense. I I like, I like that. There's an answer. (laughs) I know that's what people bring up, right?
1: (laughs) It it is. Yeah. And you know, Fent's just even their new logo. um, It's kind of like in a half moon shape. Right. And then there's a line through it Mm -hmm. and, what what that that line symbolizes is where Earth meets the sky,
0: oh, wow. so our
1: our Fent team, Marktoberdorf, you know the ones that you know been working their generations, um, have told us you know they're so committed to agriculture, our farmers, that this is just part of their DNA. It's who they are, right? So that Fent Nature Green color and that that Terra Red wheels, it does have a lot of symbolizing. Symbolization. And you can point it out from, you know, miles away, looking on the highway, you can see, oh yeah, that's a fence. I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it stand out for sure.
0: Definitely for sure. And, and you mentioned this before with fewer farms, something I hear when I sit with, with salespeople in the industry, it means that there's fewer decision makers, right? Because there's fewer farms, more, maybe same acres, But it's not like there's 10 farmers in one area. So that's 10 different colors. So what is brand loyalty? uh, What role does it play in this new era where there are fewer farmers, fewer decision makers?
1: It's an interesting question because I see it. I see that side, but I also see the complications of actually generational planning, too, where a lot of family farms are forming LLCs. Where, Maybe they're farming the same acreage and size, but now farms have kind of split up and maybe one's managing it, but then you have different owners inside the same um, farm it, itself. And that presents a challenge, right? Because then everybody has kind of like a board, a voice of, well, what what do you buy? What do you purchase inside of this farm? So you've got more of the traditional route, but then you also have kind of like a more of a a corporate feel to it as well, too. And that that presents a challenge. I think what more so than today than ever is that um, with the challenges of farming, that net farm income is they're simply looking for a partner in the business that cares to make sure they have a return on their investment. And I think yes, that's, that's where spent is really coming into play more than anybody else right now is that the things that we do to make that return on the investment known, people are going, okay, I get it. I get it now why you got low engine rep technology, because yeah, I'm spending a, a ton of money on fuel. I get why you're focused on your combine with residue management spread, for example, to have an even residue spread because my emergence in the spring with my planter is that much better. You know, I I get it now. Ideal combines why you did that. I get why now the momentum planter is, you know, able to push out five to six bushels more per acre than a competitor with precision row units on the same. It's not the same technology. It's how that technology works as a system. So with, with um, our load logic system on the planter, you know, having less compaction, getting that the row units down where they need to be, we've seen that increase. And then, then you say, okay, well, I get why you're making a two-in-one sprayer now where, yeah, I can get my, my pre-emerge and then a little bit of post-emerge with corn and soybeans, but now you're able to allow me to do spray fungicide late season application in corn. Wow. Now I can really get a return on my investment, which mm-hmm. th- when you add all that up, that's where I think, you know, more so than anybody's really looking for that partner to, to help them realize that return on their investment and make sure it works for their operation. That That's a big deal. So yeah. I think that's what fence doing better than anybody else right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. And then with, with on kind of the other hand of things I hear, Big corporations are buying up a lot of the the small standalone manufacturers. It happens all the time. And now there seems to be, you know, three or four big corporations who own most of the brands, most of the colors. So that that gives more challenges to the companies in, in how do they keep brand loyalty when they have this brand and this brand and marketing dollars are funneling down. How are they, trying? how are they navigating that where we need brand loyalty in all of these areas, even though we're competing?
1: Yeah, it, it's not so hard. I think it's, um, you're, you're going to have that, right? So we, we've seen that over the ag industry for since conception, really, you know, um, Alice Chalmers, Coxshoot, Oliver White, you know all of these things that have morphed into where we're at today. Um, I think when when a brand wins with brand loyalty, it really comes down to um, the ability for them to support them when they're when they are in need. And anybody can make a, a piece of equipment, but if you don't have the support behind it to keep them going, that's not going to last long at all. So it doesn't matter if you bought somebody else, if you can't support in the field, um, you're you're not going to win out there. They may buy you once, but they won't buy you again. So I think when it comes to brand loyalty, building that up, we, we spend, you know, quite a bit of money getting the name out there. um, And we're doing a good job. Our customers are cheering us on. They want another competitor out there. Um, to compete against some of the bigger ones too. But I think being service-minded, being humble, being somebody that really cares about their, their farm, their fields um, and, you know, their future growth, I think is what separates a brand versus somebody that's just, you know, in the business to make money just for, for the steel and iron it is. That's where we're going to win. And I think that's where we're we're headed that makes us different and unique to grow that loyalty than somebody else out there.
0: Yeah, good points. And and as the brand manager, what technical things are you doing uh, to to expand the brand and expand market share? One
1: of the biggest things that we're doing right now uh, in terms of building the brand itself is we've put a stake in the ground. So the stake in the ground is our, our Fent home for North America. So we definitely, you know, if you think Fent globally, we we've got lots of different manufacturing facilities in Europe. Um, some in, in Brazil, um, even a couple here in North America within Jackson, Minnesota, and Heston, Kansas, and we've got our parts warehouses there in, near Chicago, Batavia, um, but we've, we put a stake in the ground and it's a major stake. We we've said, you know what Fent North America home is going to be in Jackson, Minnesota. And that's where we produce traditionally the, the, the track tractors and the Rogator sprayers and the ag chem equipment. And that is now transitioning into our Fent home for North America, where um, it'll be completely remodeled. It's going to be fantastic. Um, it's really going to be our showcase. where. You learn more about Fent, the brand itself, what makes Fent Fent, and you have a, a positive experience. But also to do internal trainings, um, we can host events, and we can also bring guests in from outside the industry to really learn and, and know what Fent is. And that, that's just one example. That's a major investment. Right. Um, we're we're really growing with our farmers. We're definitely attending every farm show. We definitely can. Um, we're growing in our advertisements as well too. And you see the growth in our dealers, you know, the number of dealers that we have is continuing to grow. We've got some strong initiatives with them in terms of market share and they're, they're hungry for it because it's, they know it's out there. There's such a large underserved group of farmers, um, out there that, um, we know we can serve and provide a great value for them. So when you add all this up, we've seen you know triple digit growth numbers the last couple of years and that projection is gonna, gonna keep going that path. We do the right things, it's gonna keep going the right path.
0: Yep, yeah, it sounds like you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. And how do you, when somebody sees that logo, sees that tractor, how do you as brand manager want them to see? What do you want them to feel?
1: when they see the diesel Ross logo on the front hood of their tractor or sprayer or or combine um, or momentum, for example, I want them to know that Fent is a leader in technology. We're going to make that return on the investment and we're going to deliver to our promises. And when you combine all that together, you'll know that we're farmer first. You'll know that we're here for you and that we care. We care about your success and we want to help you grow your business too. So that's when you see that logo, just know that fence behind that, there's a lot behind it. Um, and to give an example around that, that, you know, gold star warranty talking about caring is giving a full three year full machine warranty with, with service and inspections included as part of the standard, you know, it just raises the bar that nobody else is doing out there. Um, when you add all that up, just know that Fent cares and we're we're here for your business.
0: Yeah, that that is awesome. And I have one last question for you. What color is your tractor?
1: My tractor specifically, it's the yep. Fent Nature Green with the Terra Red Wheels. Yeah. That awesome. is fun. Yep.
0: <laughs> and where can people learn more about Fent?
1: Learn more about Fent at Fent.com. We've got so many exciting things there. You can tune into the Fent Lodge on our website, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and newly launched just last week is the Fent channel for YouTube. So we've got Great. many, many, many videos on, on YouTube as well. Big, uh, big channel for us. Um, so continue to watch us. We'll be at all the major farm shows as well too. And, and a lot more exciting things to come from Fent.
0: That's awesome. And thank you so much, Brandon, for joining me today. Great conversation. And I learned a lot that I did not know about Fent.
1: Well, thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Um, great to hear this. I can't wait to for the audience members um, and just looking forward to your success in here and here and to learn about the whole industry. So thank you for your time.
0: Great. And thanks to all who are listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to What Color Is Your Tractor on Apple Amazon, Spotify, our heart radio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sign up at NorthAmericanAg.com or WhatColorIsYourTractor.com to have the latest episode delivered directly to your inbox and have a great day.